Well, take your Bible, and uh, we're going to continue in our series this morning, week three of unlearn. Half of learning is learning, but the other half is unlearning. It's kind of like when you miss your exit on the highway and you have to go another mile out of your way and get off at the wrong exit and turn around and go all the way back. Every mile out of your way is really a two-mile mistake. And, And to learn some things, we often have to unlearn some stuff, some things that we've picked up that are incorrect that block us from learning what it is God wants us to learn. We've been unlearning prayer, things that we've picked up about prayer that's not really what God said about prayer, but our culture has taught us this. We picked it up somewhere, and and it blocks us from getting where God wants us to go. Last week, we looked at unlearning, uh, sharing our faith or or witnessing. What what does God say to us about that, not something else? And today, I want us to unlearn church. There is stuff that we picked up about church that's nowhere in the Bible. And I believe for us to get where God's taking us, we need to have his help to unlearn some of those things. Take your Bible and you read silently as I read aloud. Follow along with me. Acts chapter 2. I'll be starting at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts chapter 2 verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Heavenly Father, I confess to you that we desperately need you right now. We want to get this right. So God, help us unlearn the things about church that we have picked up. Lord, we want to come together as your people and and be changed by your grace, declaring your mercy that is available to everyone we encounter. Lord, we want to discover the principles of what it means to be your body, to be your flock the body of Christ and the powerful things you want to do through it, God, would you teach us who you've called us to be? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart today be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. Your kids are ready to hear from you. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. If you'd like to take notes or grab your outline, there's three quick Phrases I want us to jot down real fast, and I'm going to go through them quickly. And if you can't get them fast enough, I just want to let you know in advance, I'm not talking too fast, you're listening too slow. Okay? So get your listener ready to go a little bit faster. But uh, as we look at church and things we need to unlearn about church, we need to unlearn these myths that church is just a building or just an institution. That's the first blank. We must unlearn that church is just a building or an institution. Now, these three phrases that we're going to be unlearning are pretty common sense. Many of us have heard this before. We go, yeah, of course. I don't know if you were ever in church as a kid and you did this whole thing. This is the church and this is the steeple and open the doors and here's all the people. And, and this has meaning to us because the church is, is really a collection of his people. It's not a building. But it's, it's not do we know it here 
I love the song that our kids sang today. The, the wisdom and, and revelation. <laughs> Sometimes we, we know some things here, but we need our eyes open because it sure hasn't gotten here and it hasn't gotten to our hands and feet in how we live. We can intellectually say, well, church is more than just brick and mortar. Of course. But when we look at how we live our life, we sure live as if church is just brick and mortar or it only happens within these walls. It's not a building. It's not just an institution. The church is something far greater. We've got to unlearn that church is easy and instant. That's the second one there. You may want to jot down. Unlearn this thought. I don't know where we, wherever we picked up the idea that church is just easy and, and instant. It's quick. Carrie and I were, were driving this weekend. I won't tell you where I was going because it, it may uh, be your favorite church or something. But I was driving past this church. It wasn't in Fort Wayne. It was a different town. And they had a banner out front. And it said, 30-minute church. And gave the day and the time. And it just struck me funny. 30-minute church. Now, I probably misunderstood it. And it's probably not what I thought. But I started thinking for a second. Could it be that, that this advertisement is, hey, come to our church. It's only 30 minutes. Church is not easy. It's not instant. It's not quick. It's not fitted into your schedule and somehow get your church card punched and whoop, that's a shot in the arm and now I go out. That's not anywhere in the Bible. I don't find that in Acts 2 church. I don't find that in anywhere through God's word that church is easy. It's just quick. It's some instant thing. And yet we can treat it as consumers of give me what I want when I want it now and give it quick. That may be easy for us in our tradition to go, well, yeah, 30 minutes. Church isn't a 60-minute deal either. Church isn't a 75-minute deal. I'm making some people nervous. Church isn't a 120-minute deal. Church isn't a four-hour deal. Church is something that is not contained in these walls or in this time that we meet. It is something far greater than that. We need to unlearn what we think church is. We've got to unlearn that church is optional and individual. Well, I, I kind of go to this church because it, it fits me. You know, I, I'm, I'm so sad when I hear people talk about the church that they're attending somewhere and, and they're not happy with it and they come to Grace Point and go, oh, it was so bad there and, and it was just all these horrible things. And what goes through my mind is, oh, give yourself about three or four weeks, you'll find something here you don't like. And, you know, it's like people are looking for a perfect church. Friend, if you find a perfect church, if you find one, don't go. You're going to ruin it. You're going to mess it up. I mean, if you find the place that's perfect, you better not attend because you look human to me and, and all humans are, are, are imperfect. And so my desire for church is not to find a place that is without any error or that does exactly what I want. It's something deeper than that. And we know that here, but do we live that? By what we do and what we say and, and how we interact and how we do life together or lack of doing life together. The reality is that Jesus is calling us to see a different picture of the church. First Peter 2, 4 and 5 says this, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, Verse 5, second, or 1 Peter 2, 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
Pastor Randy, what's the point of that? I thought we were in Acts, and now you're given a, a First Peter scripture. What, what's this about? It's, it's all through God's word that we are the church. We are the living stones of the church. It's something about what he does when he knits us together. It's not just a building. It's not just a time on the schedule. It's not just a group uh, like the Nazarene church or any denomination. There's something about the body of believers gathering together that is the organism, the church. God has a lot to say to us about it. The church is not constrained by a building. And when we unlearn these things, we can begin to receive what God has for us. I I was watching a a television program uh, the last couple weeks on uh, National Geographic Channel. And uh, (laughs) I can't remember the name of it. But uh, they were, the the topic of the show was how to dig a hole. And, And it caught my attention, how to dig a hole. How can you fill a half-hour show on how to dig a hole? Anybody see this show? You know what I'm talking about? How, my wife saw it. Good. It's good. I'm glad you watched it with me, honey. And, and I watched, and I thought, that is so silly. How to dig a hole? How do you not know how to dig a hole? And I watched the show, and I thought, I, I don't know how to dig a hole. I've never dug a hole right. There were so many things about digging a hole that I never thought of, and I just thought I would just do that. And, and, and it got me thinking this week about what I think God wants us to see about this thing of unlearning church. It's not just that we need to dig out our misconceptions or our our, our mistakes about church and throw them away, but it's kind of like digging a hole in water. Now, if, if I would give you this shovel and have you go to the nearest lake or river and say, I want you to dig a hole in that lake, not like in the, the mud underneath the lake, in the lake, it'd be like, well, that's dumb. You can't do that. You, you just stick the shovel in, scoop up some water, throw it out, i got to do it again. Stick the shovel in, scoop up some water, throw it out. That water's slippery. It just comes in and fills that hole. I I watched this show on how to dig a hole. They never once said you can't dig a hole in water. Because it was so obvious. Well, duh. But yet we live our understanding of church in the very same way. Well, take out. Church is not just a building. And then, whoop. The slipperiness of our thoughts come back in. We begin to act like church is just a building. We begin to act like it's just something easy and convenient. We begin to act like something else. But if you want to have a hole placed in water, it's not just what you remove out of it, but it's what you put in to displace it. Now, if we would take a bucket and we would push it down into the water, you could have somewhat of a hole or a space that you've created. But it takes the walls of that bucket pushing on all sides to keep that water from rushing back in. Last night I had visions in my mind of putting this in the baptistry and doing that illustration. But I woke up and had more wisdom and thought that would get messy. Joe, you and I would get wet and that would be a problem. But use your imagination with me. And we're going to allow God's word to help us see the, the four parameters that help us as he pushes this down to create space to help us see what church is really about. You see, we've got to understand that it's not just unlearning we need to do. We've got to relearn some things to reinforce the slipperiness of the way we live our life with these misconceptions of church. So jot this down. We've got to relearn that church is the people of God. It's the people of God who are first deepened through fellowship as god takes the bucket pushes it down into the lake and creates a barrier and not lets it come back in one of the keys one of the foundations is a deepening through fellowship a deepening in him through the fellowship now in the new testament fellowship is is literally meaning common life this koinonia fellowship 
As believers, we have something in common, and that's the fellowship. Now, don't misunderstand me. We may have similar political views, or we may not have similar political views. We may like the same type of music, or we may not like the same type of music. We may have the, a similar background, but, and we may not have a similar background. That's not the fellowship that I'm talking about. It's not find a church where people like the things that you like, and wear the things that you wear, and smell the way that you smell. It's, it's something deeper than that. The Bible talks about this fellowship being that they had everything in common. What was that? That they were a sinner who needed the grace of God. What they had in common is Jesus was their Savior. He was their Messiah. And second, this, one is, this one's tough for us to get, Jesus was their life. Now sometimes, church-going folks, we go, oh yeah, Jesus is my Savior. But we live differently than Jesus being our life. What they had in common, what the fellowship was, they were deepened by fellowship in the church, not because they liked the same music, not because they all agreed on the same things, because they were sinners who experienced the grace of Jesus, and Jesus was their life. How is your deepening of your walk with God going? By the fellowship you have with people in the body of faith, by these two things in common. It's interesting to me that we, we redefine church. We redefine my connection with somebody at church. You may love green olives with blue cheese. Oh, it's so good. If you like them, you are an awesome person. If you don't like green olives, like my wife, you're strange. You may love the Denver Broncos and know they are a far better team than the Indianapolis Colts. And I would call you wise beyond your, your knowledge. We may not agree on these things, and those are silly, superficial things. But it's amazing the things that can drive a wedge between a church, a wedge between people, and it has nothing to do with, is Jesus their Savior, and is Jesus their life? But it may have more to do with the fact that Jesus isn't their life, it's telling. God wants us to learn, to relearn. He's called us to be a part of the church, and and the slipperiness is going to get confusing. It's not about what makes me comfortable. It's not about what I want, but the church deepens me through a fellowship with other believers. The reverse is true. If I miss out on that, it keeps me shallow. Acts 2, 42 and 46, they devoted themselves to fellowship. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. This fellowship was not just hanging out. It wasn't just agreeing on certain things they liked and didn't like. It was that they had these things in common. Jesus was the Savior of their soul, and Jesus was their life. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Each one of you should carry his own load. One of the blessings here at Grace Point is God has wired us to be the body of Christ, to be a family. And we are a place where we will help and support and hold each other accountable. On that silly video, when one of Carrie's students was acting in that video, talked about how he doesn't need anybody. And you may not walk around with a tool belt and a roll of toilet paper and your iPod and all those other things. But we begin to live our life as if we don't need anybody else. You may be surrounded by people, but you don't let anybody get close enough to ever hold you accountable. And this is a place of God's grace, not where someone harps at you and yells at you, but God loves us so much, he doesn't want to leave us the same way. And he wants to speak truth into our life. 
What is the deepening in your walk with Christ look like? Next, church is the people of God. That's what the church is. And it's the people of God who, number two, are transformed through discipleship. There has to be another side to this bucket or else that water will come coming right back in and we'll miss what church is all about. The foundation of understanding we are transformed through discipleship. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Discipleship is, is I am following after Jesus. I'm becoming like Jesus. Is there anything in your life where you are transformed, you look different, you act different, and you're more like Jesus? Now, they did some things. They did some disciplines to help them get in a position where God could work in their life. They would read God's word. They would study the apostles' teaching together. They would meet together and encourage one another. They would pray together. And they were discipled. They were taken deeper. And they were transformed by that work that God had in their life. I ask you, when your understanding of church, when you think of church, do you ever think about you being transformed? Or do you think about somebody else being transformed? Do you ever think about... God changing something in your life, or is it just God changed the person next to me or behind me or over there? Church should bring about change in us as we become more like Jesus. Transformation happens in three ways. I don't think there's any blanks here because I want to move pretty quick. First, it's the act of the Holy Spirit. You don't change yourself. You don't transform yourself. The very Spirit of God will change you. Today's message is more of like a kickstart than anything in completion. And maybe later this week, read through some of these verses that talk about the role of the Holy Spirit and transformation in our life. And that should be a part of what church is. But also church is God transforming us, making us like Jesus through ordinary events in life. James and Romans talk about even in our suffering. I will count it all joy. I, I will count it a blessing that God will work in my life even in suffering. I can't stress this enough. Some people wait to try to connect in a body of believers until the crisis comes. If you find yourself at a crisis today and you're not connected in the church, we want to love you. Hear me clearly. Come in. We want to support you and pray with you. But don't wait till the crisis comes. You need the roots dug down deep. You need the relationships that happen. You need that, that gospel partnership with someone else who is a sinner, who is saved by grace, who Jesus is their life, that you could do life with together to build those relationships. But often, we don't think about it until something falls apart in our life. God will transform you in that. Brady, what are you saying? We've thought that church means a really good church is the one that keeps me happy. A really good church is one that I'm always, always encouraged. God may use some kind of misunderstanding you've had with the person in the rows next to you to transform you. God doesn't always take away the uncomfortable things. He may want to use those things. We're transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit through the suffering and through life events and also through spiritual disciplines that I talked about. I'm going to hit pause on that. In a couple of weeks, I'll be talking a little bit more on that one as well. Church is the people of God who are empowered through prayer and worship. We, we have to really have help in this one because this is where a lot of water starts slipping back into the hole. 
Prayer sounds good. That's a churchy thing. Worship sounds good. That's kind of what you do at church. But, but if this is true, we are empowered by prayer and worship. We gain the power from the Lord when we pray and when we exalt his name. How much is this a part of your church experience? Like now. Like today. Do I come to church hoping that Edgar sings what I want him to sing? Do I come to church hoping that Brady talks about what I want him to talk about? Do I come to church hoping that somebody says hi to me? Do I come to church or do I come and am I empowered? The very power of God comes into my life as I pray. This is what happened in Acts 2. They met together and they prayed and the very power of God saturated their community. They worshipped. They exalted Jesus. And when they pointed to Jesus, not themselves, the power of God infused their community. Something happened in them. God help us in the Western church, for sure the church of America, when we begin to think that God doesn't do it any longer the way he used to do it. Some of us have been going to church 52 times a year or 104 times a year and God hasn't done anything. And we think there's something wrong with God or something wrong with somebody else. Could it be that we aren't being the church? Could it be that we don't desire to pray together? It's been put in my heart for us as a family. I see God knitting together hundreds of Christ-like connectional communities all across this city. They won't all fit in this building. They are united in prayer. They are intentionally impacting their world around them. And it happens out of the overflow of what the Holy Spirit's doing in their life. Friend, we need to view church as a place in a time, in a gathering, in a family where we are empowered by praying together. When I pray and what, what God wants instead of what Brady wants, something happens inside. It changes me. When I pray with you and that's what you want, I begin to see you differently. We may not agree on things anymore. Some of you may still like country music. What is wrong with you? But who cares? When the most important thing is, I understand that I am a sinner going to hell except for the grace of God in my life. And that Jesus has become my life. This is the stuff that's non-negotiable. If you like country music, that just makes you weird. That just doesn't mean that I can't be your gospel partner. Now, if you like country music, I'm just having fun with you. You probably would not like the stuff on my playlist either. But is it prayer and worship that's empowering us? Or is it feeding my own appetite for what I want to have in my church? Is it a pin on my lapel? This is the country club that I'm a part of that makes me feel good. Oh, that's good preaching. I don't care who you are. I'm going to say amen to that myself. And and finally, the church is, is the people of God who are multiplied through their ministry. Another way to say that, is they're multiplied by the way they serve people besides themselves. How much multiplication of yourself is there taking place? Look at the end of that verse, verse 47. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Now what I'm about to say, don't misunderstand me. When we light the candle that represents the light of Jesus coming on in someone's life for the first time here at Grace Point, that excites me. It's one of the things that I love most about our gathering together. 
But what I'm about to say is not about do we light the candle here, but I mean in your circle of influence. Who around you has been transformed by the way you serve and they've come to know Jesus better or come to know Jesus for the first time? Friends, if we allow God to help us be the church and stop doing church, help us be the church and stop going to church, it will no longer fit in 30 minutes or 60 minutes. It won't fit in seven days. It becomes who he has created us to be. And Jesus should get out of us onto somebody else. Not to force them to like the music we like or to think all the things that we think, but to experience that they too are a sinner. And except for the grace of God, they're on their way to hell. But God loves them and wants to bring forgiveness and bring justification and bring adoption and regeneration to their life. And He wants to be their life. As we close this morning... I want to remind you what I briefly shared. Today's message is like anything but complete. It's more of just like a kickstart to what I think God wants to do in your life in the next seven days and in my life. So there's a number of scripture verses all throughout the outline that you have. And I would encourage you to take some time walking through and reading through and asking God, God, what do you want to say to me about the family at Grace Point? And about my involvement in this family. And about us stop doing church and stop going to church and start being the church together. Transformed through our fellowship with one another. Transformed by discipleship of being like Christ together. Transformed by prayer and worship together. And being transformed by serving somebody else. Multiplying through ministry. In a couple of weeks, we've got a few more in this series. I'm going to be sharing a a teaching series entitled, This is My Church, This is My City. Well, we're going to look not only at what God is doing at Grace Point and what He's calling us to, but what He's calling us in, in the context of our community. But this is so important to me today because we won't be able to even get any of that if we don't understand what God has created and given to us in the church. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are so patient with me. I would not be very patient with me if I was you. I'm so thankful that you are God and I am not. Lord, I I approach things that you have taught me over and over as if I'm digging a hole in the lake. Thinking I'm going to get somewhere and I scoop out one misconception about church and I throw it out. And then the slipperiness of the water all comes right back in together. But God, would you begin to press down on us the foundations of what you're calling us to be in your church? That maybe, maybe we could answer the question that you're not only our Savior, but you are our life. And that common bond can deepen us with fellowship with other gospel partners. God, would you, would you disciple us, make us more like your son Jesus, and let Being the church, be a part of that. Father, I pray that you will unite us as we pray and as we lift your name on high. And we will be centered around you, Jesus. And let it get out on those that we lock eyes with in our community. Thank you, God, for your patience. I pray that you'll go to my brother and sister today. Some who I know you're wanting to mess with their idea of church. God, would you... 
strip away the lie that church is about me. Strip away the lie that church is about punching my spiritual time clock to get in brownie points with you. God, would you strip away the lie that church is about my denominational preference or my temperament or my theological box that I try to put you in. But God, would you give us the gift again of not just wisdom, but God, would you open our eyes, transform our eyes so we can see that you're calling us to be your hands and feet to one another, to those around us. Jesus, it's in your powerful and precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, I want to thank you for your attention this morning. I want to challenge you. This is just the beginning of what God wants to do in this message in your life. So, your turn. You preach it. You teach it. As you begin to study and read what God has to say.